Palmer Pentecostal Church. I'm thankful to be with you tonight in the presence of the Lord. Go out to my dad, my mom, for all they've done for the kingdom of God, serving him faithfully all these years. And uh, what a great legacy they've left, and I give them honor. Philippians chapter 4, verses, four, uh, verses 6 through 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. I'm working on uh, this. I pray that this uh, recording doesn't get muffled anyway. I think something might be wrong with the speaker on my phone. I've done several tests here today to see if I can get it smoothly. It's running smoothly now, but I, if, uh, I pray that it does not get muffled when I'm speaking to you. And if it does, I apologize. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Be careful for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Those things that you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, the God of peace shall be with you. I want to talk to you tonight from the subject, an antidote for anxiety. An antidote for anxiety. Lord Jesus, have your way tonight. Palmer, I pray you to anoint my mind, anoint the people, God, to be in one mind and one accord. Let us be connected to what you're going to do tonight. God, take us uh, deep into your presence, Lord Jesus, and teach us tonight what you would have us to see and hear in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. I want to talk to you tonight about this anxiety that seems to be plaguing so many people in our movement, in our world today. A lot of times when people think of anxiety, they think of stress, they think of pressure, they think of things that are coming that they have to deal with. But in the biblical term, uh, the word anxiety is by the word fear, where fear means anxiety or anxious. And so what we oftentimes interpret as stress or as panic or as worry is fear masked in the form of anxiety. And anxiety is very, very, uh, it's, it's amazing how it works. And the, the quickest way to, to get into anxiety or to be anxious is to try to live in the future while you're in the present. It's amazing how if you try to live tomorrow, today, some kind of anxiety will come to you, whether it's a, uh, a great excitement about something you're anxious for or something you're nervous about or something you're afraid of or something you're stressed about. When you try to live tomorrow's day, today, you will become anxious. When you try to live next week, today, you become anxious. Anxiety lives strongest in atmospheres future is trying to be played out by the human while they're living in the present. We all know about how God delivers us from our past, and we love to preach about that. Don't dwell on the past. The Lord brought you out. The Lord delivered you. The Lord forgave you. The Lord rescued you. But a lot of times, we need to be rescued and delivered from trying to live in the future more than we live in the past. It's amazing how we are trying to constantly fix things in our mind and deal with things in our mind that are two days away, two weeks away even two months away or two years away, and yet somehow we can't come up with the answer. And Satan loves this when the child of God lives in anxiety or is anxious for 
everything. Satan loves it. Jesus said, take no thought for the morrow. Meaning, that don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. The needs that are in tomorrow, you can only deal with tomorrow. And the needs that are in today, you can only deal with today. And so oftentimes when you try to fix tomorrow's needs, you neglect today's problems. And it's very difficult to deal with today's problems and tomorrow's problems at the same time without having some form of anxiety come to you. Somebody say amen. So Paul is writing here, and he says, be careful for nothing. And what you're thinking, what does that have to do with anxiety? Well, in the Greek, it literally means be anxious or have anxiety over nothing or no one. So in other words, you want to understand the word is saying, it's not the will of God for you to have anxiety over anything or anybody. And Paul quickly, as he's telling us this, he's letting us know it's not the will of God. Don't be anxious. And then he gives us a formula on how to defeat Anxiety, and I want to give you that formula, and then I want to go deeper into the into the word and talk about peace. So, first of all, uh, Paul said that if uh, be anxious for nothing or be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. So, first of all, he's saying right off the bat, you will never defeat anxiety silently. You cannot defeat the worries of the future by trying to think about it today, because prayer is a conversation between you and God. Prayer is you talking to God and God talking to you. And so he's letting the church know if you're going to defeat anxiety, you've got to start talking to God. You cannot defeat it with your thoughts, with your mind, with the things that you can create with your own ability and your own imagination. You have to somehow, some way, get God involved and start talking to God. Now, prayer is not talking to God about the problem. Prayer is conversing with God. Just worshiping him and talking to him and maybe praising him. But prayer is not talking about the anxiety. Then he says, by prayer and supplication. So when you start talking to God, you enter, you leave prayer and you enter the dimension of supplication praying, which is the needs. Now, this is where we would normally ask God to deal with the problem. We start by talking to God. Then we start informing God of the problem, and then we ask God what to do about it. But that's not what the Word is saying. The Word later on tells us in the same verse when to request something. But at the moment, when you're in supplication, it's simply informing God of the trial that you're in. Kind of like the disciples uh, crying out to him in the storm when he was walking on the water. It's simply crying out saying, we're in a dilemma right now. We are in a trial. We need help. We are going through something. Now, that's not asking for the direction, for the miracle, for the, for the answer. It's just informing God of what he already knows. And I know that he already knows the problem, but there's something about supplication, which is deasis in the Greek, or needs, that lets God know, I see that I need the Lord. In other words, it only becomes a supplication when you cannot fix it. If you can fix it, there's no need to inform God about it. But when you cannot fix it, there is a supplication type of prayer has to come to your spirit that says, God, I cannot fix what's going on. So if it was just right there, we would normally go from prayer, talking to God, Lord, I love you. Thank you for being the Lord. And, and I thank you for, uh, for being there for me. And I, I worship you and I, and I love you. And God, I know you're in control. And, and then God, there's this problem going on. And you describe the problem. And you say, God, what do you want to do? What's the answer? That would be the human nature to go from prayer into requesting. But Paul said there's something you need to add into the equation that will not make sense. In fact, 
supplication would normally lead you into requesting because you're talking about the subject matter that is so uh, so strong in your house, so strong in your mind. And, but Paul said, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, not and thanksgiving, that would signify that supplication would connect you to thanksgiving. Supplication does not normally do that. And so you have to interject thanksgiving into this equation. It does not fit into the equation. Prayer, supplication, requesting, that flows. But prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving doesn't flow. Because prayer and supplication, now I'm, I'm, I'm really hurting, I'm discouraged, I'm talking about the thing that I'm worried about. And yet the Paul is saying, now you've got, now's the perfect time to start thanking God for who he is, for what he does, for what he, what he can do, for what he's already done. And now you're, you're, you're thanking, you're thanking God about something when you were just talking about how bad things were. And the reason is this, because you're about to step into the dimension of requesting the answer. And Paul knew if you go from supplication, the problem to requesting, you will pray from the position of the need. You'll pray from the position of the problem. You'll pray from the circumstances perspective. You will see things from the from the trial and say, Lord, where are you? But but if you interject Thanksgiving, you will pray from a position where a heavenly position where you see how great he is and how amazing he is. And then you look back at your problem after you've looked at how great he is. In other words, your faith goes to a higher level when you have added thanksgiving. And so your faith prayer is far more likely to be answered than your frustrated prayer when you're in supplication because you've added thanksgiving. Somebody needs to thank the Lord right now for what he's done, for what he's doing, for what he's going to do, what he might do, what he might not do. Just thank him because when you do this, you're slowly pulling yourself out of the depression, out of the fear, out of the worry, out of the anxiety, and into the faith fight where God can now do something through you. And Paul said, when you get like this, then let your request be made known unto God. Now it's time to ask God what you desire. Can I talk to you? The formula for defeating anxiety is you start by talking to God, then you talk to God about it, then you thank God for it, and then you ask God for it. Our natural uh, mentality is to talk to God, talk to God about it, ask him for it, and then when he answers, Thank him for it. But Paul said, if you're going to defeat this battle, you have to talk to him, talk to him about the problem, but then thank him and then ask him. That's the key to beating anxiety. Someone ought to get on their feet and clap their hands right about that right there, because that's a key right there. It's going to make you a different person if you walk in this. If you'll add that to your prayer life, you will be a different person and you will see things differently will think about things differently, and the Lord will help you in ways you cannot fathom. Amen. And here's what happens when you tap into that type of praying. The first thing that Paul says is, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. So first of all, immediately what happens is the peace of God comes in, and whether you get the answer right there or not, the anxiety goes away. And the peace of God, you cannot have anxiety and peace time. And so peace comes in and takes over the atmosphere. And when the peace of God comes in, it comes and it doesn't, it makes no sense. It says the peace of God, which
with all understanding. So what does that mean? So it means that normally when you get peace, it's because you've had understanding. Normally when someone has peace about something going on, they've had enough information given to them, which has caused the peace to enter into their life. And so normally you need understanding to have peace. Peace is not like faith, where faith, you just step out blindly out of the boat and say, I'm going to walk on the water. That's that's no understanding that's trusting God. But peace normally has to have some kind of revelation attached to it that this is going to work out and God's going to take care of this. So, But the Lord is saying, I have a peace that surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? It means that it's when there's no money in the account and the bills are due and yet somehow you're not stressed about it because you know God is going to make a way. You've paid your tithes, you've been faithful, you know he's not going to drop you. It's when the doctors can't explain what's going on in your body and you know something could be wrong, but yet there's a peace that comes upon you that doesn't make sense. It's when there's crazy chaos in the home and the devil's wreaking havoc and he's trying to put everybody against everybody and war breaking out in your family. But yet somehow you are a vessel covered by the peace of God. And it doesn't make sense why everyone's going crazy and you're staying calm because there's a peace on you that passes all understanding. Somebody ought to pray for that type of peace to get on them. If you have to have the answer for you to have the peace, then you don't get the peace of God. You've just accessed the peace of man and the peace of understanding. But if you don't have to know what's going to happen, but you can still walk in peace, you've tapped into the peace of God. Somebody ought to praise the Lord right now. I don't need to know the outcome. I just need to get some peace. And if I get the peace, the outcome will take care of itself. Hallelujah. The Bible says the peace of God shall keep. So that word keep, those two words shall keep, or to keep means to guard and to protect by a military guard, to protect from a hostile invasion. So the peace of God is defensive, it's protective. It comes to you to guard you, and like a military guard. It's not some weak little thing that guards you, it's like a military. We have different levels of law enforcement in our nation, but if they ever send out the martial guard, it's game over because the military has supreme authority. And God said, I give I give peace like I would send a military to guard you. It's something that you can't mess with. If I send it to take over, it's never going to come back void. And he said, I send it to two areas of your life. I send it to your heart and I send it to your minds. And we know heart is cardia in the Greek, which obviously is the, the organ that pumps the blood, but also the center of your being. And then minds, which I thought would be the mind, the thought, the thought. Center of your life is not that in the Greek. It's H Y M O N, which means you and yours. I want to say that again. The minds right here in the Greek is you and yours. So the peace of God is sent to guard your heart, the center of who you are, and your minds, which is you and yours. What does yours mean? That means anything attached to you is guarded by the peace of God when you tap into praying like this. So you might have a backslidden child and they might be on the road to hell at the moment and you're worried to death. But when you start to pray the way, the, the way God wants you to pray, there's a peace that comes to that child and in your life because that child is still attached to you. Whether they're 12 or 42, that child's attached to you. Can I say that the Holy Ghost right now? That 
those finances are attached to you. That family is attached to you. And so whatever is attached to you gets the peace of God guarding it. Even though the devil might have plans to destroy it because it's attached to someone who knows how to pray, supplicate, and thank God while they're requesting something. And the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful that the only way the peace of God can come is through the name of Jesus Christ. And if you start saying the name of Jesus in your home, over your kids, over your mind, over your marriage, there's a peace that enters the atmosphere that is unexplainable. Somebody praise the Lord. And Paul said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest and whatsoever things are just and whatsoever things are pure and whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul saying to the church, to the individual, to those that normally deal with anxiety and try to think about how they can get out of it. If you're going to be a thinker, you need to learn to think about things that praise God. You need to learn to praise him with your thinking. Uh, I know we know how to praise him with our mouth, but have you, ever, have you ever praised God with your mind? It's powerful to learn to praise God with your mind. It's powerful to train your mind to praise the Lord and to thank the Lord. Why? Because he, he's teaching us that what you just accessed in this revelation of learning how to defeat anxiety, you can walk in this by transforming your mind and thinking different thoughts. You ought to think until you're thinking. I said, start thinking until you're thinking. If you will think your way into thanking him, you will see an atmosphere shift in your home, in your mind, in your life. And he said, I want you, if you're going to be a thinker, to think about how good he is. Think about how pure he is, how lovely he is, how righteous, how just he is. There's so much stuff here that you can think about that will change your mind. And the reason why I say this is because the next verse says, these things which you have both learned, received and heard and seen in me do. He said, I've been doing this. I'm not just telling you a formula. I live the formula. I know what I'm talking about. And I can tell you that this peace that's coming to you is it came to me. It's, it's kind of like when he was standing before Agrippa and the king of the land. And you've got to understand this was a big deal. When he stood before Agrippa, he was bound in chains. They were going to try to execute him. He's, he's supposed to die. And he's standing before, and this is not a good man. Read the history. Agrippa's great-grandpa was Herod, who killed all the babies when Jesus was born. His grandpa was the Herod who killed John the Baptist, took his head off. His father was the one who killed James, Herod, the great that killed James. And now this is Agrippa. He comes from a lineage of murder and assassination to the people of God, to the men of God. And yet here he is standing before this man who's got a heritage of killing men of God. And he said, as the man is asking him to talk, he looks at him and says, I think myself happy. I think myself happy. I'm in chains, but I'm thinking my way out of the chain. You can pin me on the outside, but I've got you 
pinned in my mind. And if you can get that mentality, if you can get that mentality where you are thanking God inwardly, no matter what you're chained up by outwardly, you can have happiness in the middle of hell. I said you can have consecration in the middle of chaos. You can have peace in the middle of peril if you can tap your way into thinking. So Paul said, if you've seen this stuff in me, do it. I know what I'm talking about. I stood before a king and looked him right in the eye when he could have killed me and said, I know how to think myself happy. No matter what you've planned for me, I can think myself into the peace of God. And he said, if you will do this, the God of peace shall be with you. Let me just preach about this for a moment. There, this is something different. He's just changed it completely. He first said, if you will pray and supplicate and thank God and then ask God, you'll get the peace of God. You'll get something that guards you and guards the things attached to you. But if you transform your thinking and you think differently, you'll get the God of peace. It's not the peace of God that you get now. It's the God of peace to be with you. What does that mean? It literally means the peace of God is a product that God sends to you. But the God of peace is the source of the product. And if you change the way you think, you don't get the, the product of God. You get the source of the peace. Can I say the difference is this? The peace of God guards you, but the God of peace guides you. One is defensive and one is offensive, and there's nothing more powerful than being guarded by peace and being guided by peace because you've transformed the way you think. No matter what anybody tells you, no matter what the enemy says through a vessel, through someone in your house or someone at your job, if you can learn to think differently, if you can learn to thank him in your thinking, you can shift the atmosphere and you can have the God of peace be with you. Somebody ought to praise his name right now. I speak to the atmosphere in your home in the name of the Lord Jesus that no matter what's trying to happen and no matter who's going crazy, you can have the God God of peace in your life and the peace of God to guard you and the God of peace will guide you. Someone ought to lift up his name. Paul is trying to tell the church 2,000 years ago that listen, this is the formula and that formula is still alive today in the word of God. Yes, yeah, someone needs to pray, someone needs to supplicate, but most of us need to thank him. And if we would start thanking him while we're going through hell, we would see the atmosphere change. Paul already knew. He said, I already know what it feels like to be in a prison, to have your hands bound, your feet bound, your back beaten, your legs beaten. But I also know what it feels like in that same hellacious atmosphere to start praising him and to start talking to him. And I know what can happen in an atmosphere like that when there seems to be no way out and there seems to be no way up and there seems to be no breakthrough coming. I know I can change the atmosphere by how I talk and how I perceive him. And when I start praising him, something breaks in the atmosphere. Earthquakes happen. Somebody ought to get ready for a Holy Ghost earthquake in your house because when you do, God is going to change the atmosphere through your thanksgiving. I know it's normal to fight. I know it's normal to argue. When you're in the flesh, I know it's normal to prove your point. But you ought to change that right now on the 
the devil and say, I want to say this, but I'm going to thank him. I want to argue back, but I'm going to thank him. I want to reply and rebut and, and rebuttal and say what I want to say, but I'm going to thank him because if I thank him, I know he's going to bring peace to my home. Would you lift up your hands, stand to your feet, and would you lift up your voice and start thanking God? And let me tell you, as you do, there's one, there's one thing that you can tap into that lets you know that you're in deep thanksgiving. See, shallow thanksgiving is you talking to God about things anyone can thank him for. That's been baptized. Thank you for covering my sins. Well, we can all do that. Thank you for giving me the Holy Ghost. Well, most of us can all do that. Thank you for healing my body. Most of us can say that. But when you start to get specific, thank you for healing me on this date of this situation. Thank you that that month when I was about to lose everything, you came through. When you start to get specific and not general, you are in real thanksgiving. That's how you know when you just start. You start thanksgiving by just talking to him about how great he is for what he's done. But when you start to get specific, you know something is changing. He Somebody ought to thank him for something he's done for you only right now. Somebody ought to thank him for something he's done for only you and your house and your marriage and your mind with your kid, with your health, with your situation. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his grace. Thank him for his power. Thank him for what he's done. May the Lord bless you. Tap into thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.